Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 227 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I am so glad that you're with me here today. Today, I'm talking to Ellie Griffiths on Writing in the Garden. The Postscript Murders is her most recent novel, and it just came out, and it was really a joy to talk to her. So I know you're going to enjoy that interview. Um, So hang on for that. What is going on around here in Rachelandia? That's a weird thing to say. Rachelandia. Probably just one L. Um, Oh my gosh, so much stuff. Honestly, so much stuff. I told you last week that my wife's visa came in for New Zealand and the dog died, um, which means that we're moving to New Zealand. And we talked to the realtor. So now we are starting to get ready to move. Um, our realtor's going to come walk through the house tomorrow, which terrifies me because we we don't live like we're in college, but we live like we graduated from college maybe a couple years ago. Most of our furniture is inexpensive and or has been found at a flea market or a thrift store. Um, I'm a little bit nervous. She's going to look at her house and say, okay, Rachel, I sold this house to you 15 years ago. What have you done with it? We have gotten a new electricity and we have gotten the house air conditioning. Other than that, it pretty much is in the same shape, which, you know, is fine. Apparently it's a buyer's market. No, wait, sorry. It's a seller's market in California right now, which is why it's a good time to sell. But I'm terrified. Uh, what other things am I scared of? I just feel scared right now. In not a ter- hello, dozy. In not a terrible way, just in a normal human way. Uh, still a bit sick. Still fighting whatever pain that is that I've been fighting now for three months. Had my MRI yesterday. Haven't heard anything back. But that was it was like a four part MRI, so ninety minutes inside the machine, and I must thank two things. Number one, my meditation practice, because I was able to meditate through it. Number two, the Valium that they gave me to be in there for 90 minutes. It made the meditation a lot more interesting and easy as I was pretty relaxed. Still was not pleasurable. And I'm still kind of feeling the after effects of that kind of fear. Um, Still feeling plenty of emotions living with emotions, accepting them, feeling them, crying when I feel like crying. Boy, y'all, crying is great. I love crying. I love crying. It actually is a release valve. It's, it takes the pressure off. Also, it sucks. It gives you headaches. Uh, I feel like there are times in our lives, um, and I, I talk about this a lot, uh, you know, there are seasons in our lives. There are seasons to be comfortable or to be digging up the field, not so comfortable, you're planting. Um, There are times to rest. And right now, our time is to do stuff and to do a lot of stuff and to figure out the order in which to get stuff done, which I love. I am a planner to my teeth. I have realized recently that um, most of my journaling is just planning. That's all it is. I'm either planning for the rest of the day or for the rest of my life. But that's what my journal is. So I do love a good plan. I do love thinking about plans. I love talking 
to my wife about the plans that we are making. And of course, it is also a little bit stressful. So uh, we are dealing with that as well as can be. Um, My darling little dozy dog is going to have to live with somebody for a while when we first go to New Zealand and figure out where to live. And I have, she's going to stay with my best friend. And that's amazing. So that is really, really a weight off of our shoulders. We don't know what we're doing with the cats yet. They're both too old to go. They uh, would not safely make the trip. They're geriatric and they do not recommend that geriatric cats spend 24 hours traveling in a plane and then uh, do a quarantine. So um, we're going to have to rehome them. And one of them just got sick. Uh, So that is making me stressed out. He's been sick before. He's sick again, kidney disease and maybe some other things. So that has got my brain working too. But all this whole time, all of, while all of this stuff is going on, guess what? I'm still writing. And that's what this podcast is about. This podcast is about getting up and writing anyway, even on the days when I want to lie in bed and make plans or I need to spend half the day on the phone with the vet. We still show up and do our work. On those days, do we write as well as we do on other days? On the days that we are completely present emotionally and we've gotten a lot of sleep and we feel really healthy? Um, Perhaps not. But we're still showing up and doing our work, even if it is for 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time. We show up because we're writers. And that is what I love reminding you of. That um, even though there are seasons in our lives, as writers, every season is for writing. I truly believe that. I write more a lot of times in my wintry phases, and it may be more in my journal. Nobody's ever going to see these things. But when times are hard, (laughs) not only do I tend to ramble on my podcast like I'm doing right now, but I tend to ramble in my journal. Um, Our writing is an outlet for us. And aren't we lucky that we have that? There are so many people who have to deal with such enormous difficulty in their lives how do they process it without writing something or somewhere? I just, I honestly don't understand how people do it. So I'm just feeling very grateful that I have this, that you have this, that we have this superpower. So don't forget that you have it. You own it. You're listening to this podcast because you are a writer. Use that superpower. Okay, quickly, just a couple of new patrons or a few new patrons to thank. Thank you so much. Um, Lucia, thank you. Or Lucia, uh, thank you so much for your patronage. Jenny Darlington edited her, edited her pledge up. And oh boy, that makes me feel amazing when you do that. Tammy Wetzel. Hello, Tammy. Welcome, welcome. Lisa C., thank you so much. And Christina Kalada, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Brian Souders. I hope I said that right. Thank you, Brian. And Liz Barrett. Um, Something has changed in Patreon where when you do get a patron in a different country now, it shows in their their, um, money form. So Liz Barrett is, hers comes in pounds um, in, in, that is pounds. Yes, that's pounds. And I just love that. I love seeing that in my email. That's a bit of a thrill. So thank you to all of my patrons who allow me to write those essays. I hope that you enjoyed the last one about wintering. It was hard to write. Um, It was hard to send. 
and I'm proud of it. So if you did read it, let me know what you think. Thank you for being there and for supporting me. It means the world. Okay, with no further ado, let us jump into the awesome interview with the amazing Ellie Griffiths. I know you're going to enjoy it. And I wish you, my friend, very, very happy writing. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show Ellie Griffiths. Hello, Ellie. Hello, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I am thrilled to have you. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction here. Uh, Ellie Griffiths was born in London in 1963. Her first crime novel, The Crossing Places, is set on the Norfolk coast where she spent holidays as a child and where her aunt still lives. Her interest in archaeology comes from her husband, Andrew, who gave up his city job to retrain as an archaeologist. She lives in Brighton on the south coast of England with her husband and two children. And The Postscript Murders, which just came out, is her most recent novel. And Ellie, I have really been enjoying, I haven't quite finished it yet, but I've really been enjoying The Postscript Murders. It is such a, it's such a unique premise and um, also, I must just say right off the top of the bat, as a queer woman, I really, really appreciate the queer representation. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Um, Harbinda is a character that uh, she appeared in my first sort of standalone, Stranger Diaries, and then she just wanted to appear again. So, yeah, she's a, she's a gay woman. She's a British Indian woman. And she's doesn't she doesn't really take any prisoners, does she? So she's she, a lot of fun to write about. She really takes no prisoners, but I I so much love being inside her head and the way that she thinks. And I'm so enjoying this book. And we were just chatting a little bit before we started um, that, you know, you've got book after book coming out around in different countries and all of that. And you said the great line, uh, you're never more than a few weeks away from a new Ellie Griffiths novel. <laughs> So this show is about the writing process. Oh no, here comes the cat. I'll have I to love move. it. I just saw your cat come in. And my cat normally comes into my study, but I think it's a bit cold for him at the moment. So he hasn't come in. Oh, your cat probably doesn't howl the way mine does. Like, like oh, we've he, never fed him before. He does. He absolutely does this unearthly yowling. And he's black. Is yours black and white? Yes. He's black, black and white as well. I don't know if it's the sort of cat, but oh my goodness, the unearthly yowling. Yes, and he'd like to be right up next to the microphone when that happens next. So so you have a house full of people and animals or at least one cat. How how and where, oh my gosh, now we're connected. Now we're tangled. Um, how do you get the writing done? How does that happen in your life? Well, I'm speaking to you from a shed at the bottom of my garden. Oh, I'm so jealous. Uh, yeah, it is really good. I do recommend a shed. My husband says I shouldn't call it a shed, but it is basically a shed. Um, and so I can escape and I do recommend it because you can just get out of the house and it's only like a little trek up through the garden, but just that bit of distance. And, you know, it's just too far away for people to say, oh, where are the eggs? You know, you're just that little bit too far away. And as I say, my cat usually comes up the garden path, but usually other people don't bother me. On the minor side, it's a little too far away for people to bring you cups of tea and things, but it's very good for working, I have to say. Well, especially in the pandemic, because um, a lot of the people that I've spoken to recently and myself included, I always wrote out of the house. Uh, Re yes. a revision I would do in the house. That was fine. But first drafts really needed to be at a cafe or outside. And you've got that. You still have your 
sacred, precious space. How long have you been out in the the shed, shedish? Couple of years. I, I used to work. I had like a well. I called it a study in the house, but really. Everyone else called it, you know, the kids called it where they played on the Xbox. You know, my husband was always sh- mysteriously shredding things in there. I don't know why. So, um, so yes, that was a little bit hard to see that as my own space. But a couple of years ago, I did decide to, you know, to, to have my own space in the garden. And that has helped. Yes, I do feel so many of my writing friends like to go to cafes and have that sort of ambient noise around them. And that's been really hard, hasn't it? It's been really hard in this. Well, I mean, so many things have been harder, I know, but it has been hard. To figure, yeah, we have to figure out new ways. So when when it comes to your process and when you're sitting down, um, are you a binge writer? Are you a steady on every day kind of writer? I'm quite steady. I am a thousand words a day person. You know, I, that's yeah. my minimum. I try and do a thousand words a day. I start in the morning and my cat Gus normally comes up to my shed in the morning and he sits outside at about sort of yeah, half seven, eight. And he waits to be let in and he's like my little conscience, you know, so I kind of know that I have to go into the shed and start writing. So, um, so I usually go up there in the morning and, you know, I try and do at least a thousand words a day and it is steady like that, you know, but of course, when I'm near a deadline, I think like all of us, then I turn into a binge writer and I'm busy madly writing, but usually I'm a little bit a day and I try not to go back over the previous day's stuff and just add in another thousand words, you know, you know, the temptation to keep writing the same thousand words. And then we would never get books done. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? I think, well, one of the, the challenges always is, you know, to, to find that time, isn't it, every day. But another challenge I have, and I think writers are kind of divided into writers who write too much and writers who don't write enough. And I've got lots of very good friends who are writers and we're always discussing it. And my kind of best writing friend is, is Leslie Thompson, who's a great crime writer. And she always has too many words. And I always say to her, give, give, you, give me some of yours. Because when I finish a book, it's usually about 70,000 words long. And I know that my publishers want 80,000 at least. So it's finding those extra words. I do find a bit of a challenge. I, I think I might have been suited to the golden age, you know, and obviously you'll have seen in the postscript murders a lot of sort of golden yes. age references. When those Agatha Christie's, how long were they? They were about 60,000 words. And I sometimes think that might have suited me. That's so interesting that you say that, though. I really believe there are these overwriters and these underwriters. And I am like your friend. I'm an overwriter. I have miles of pages about a scene that could have been done in a page and a half. You know, (laughs) I don't know. I think that the people who are underwriters tend to have a better time plotting. They have more plot than I do. Maybe. And funny enough, Leslie and I recently have been trying to just for fun, write something together. And actually it does work quite well because I'll say, this is what happens then, that happens then, that happens then, that's the end. And Leslie says, or perhaps this happened in the middle. And actually it works quite well because I'm forcing her to go to the end. And she's saying, yeah, take, take, you know, take a bit of a deep breath. Let's do something else. So yeah, it does work quite well working together. Oh, I love that. That's gorgeous. Okay. So what is your, um, biggest joy when it comes to writing I think especially in these sort of COVID times the, the biggest joy has kind of been escape you know yes. really having someone to escape to and what do people do Rachel if they don't, don't have 
a world to escape to. You know, I've always had that. I'm sure you're the same as a child I used to tell myself stories. My mum says I used to walk round around the garden telling myself stories. And you still and, do know, that. I can still do that. Yeah, I can walk up the garden. Yes, exactly. Something about gardens. Um, and there is, it's escaping into, into another world, really. So I definitely think that's the biggest joy. But also sharing the book, having people read them. I mean, I do get nervous before a book comes out and that gets sort of worse with each book actually. But actually when it's out, the fact that other people have read it and people say to you that they've enjoyed it. I mean, that's such a joy, isn't it? That's, that's wonderful. It's the best feeling in, is, the, really in the world, in the world. Well, actually, I think the best feeling is writing the words, the end and those, <laughs> yeah, and those four hours afterward. And then it, you know, it wears off, but and, and those four hours, but then I always, after I've written the end, make myself write the first line of the next book, even if it's just the first line, because then I think oh, I've started the next one. On the same I, day? Yeah. I love that tip. That's a, that, that is so fun because then you can say I'm in the middle of my next book. Exactly. You're somewhere Stop. in the middle. <laughs> when your editor gets on the phone, I've started it. <laughs> I am working on it right working now. Working on it, yes. <laughs> Can you share, that was a good craft tip. Can you share a craft tip of any other sort with us? Um, well, I'm, one of the tips that I would say um, is to read it aloud. I don't know if you do that. And I, um, I've I always started, mean to, and I never quite steal the time for it. I've never been able to read the whole thing aloud, which I would like to do that. Some people do do that, but yeah. always if you get stuck or if there's, I would, you know, read it aloud or maybe put it into dialogue. Just imagine yourself telling the story. I've got a niece who's a barrister, um, which makes me feel quite old. Um, she's a child barrister now. And a niece who's a barrister. And she says, very interesting thing. She said that in court, um, the, the police want to tell the story from the crime. But sometimes it's a defence barrister's job to tell it from the beginning, a different point. And I find that useful. So sometimes I say to myself, maybe just talking out loud, so what happened at the beginning? What happened when A met B long before C murdered B? I'm going to get confused now with these letters, but do you know what I mean? So really start, you know, really what happened right at the beginning. So that would be a tip. And another tip that somebody okay. told me, and I can't remember who, said that they said, follow the feet. So just to look down at your character's feet and just go where they want to go. So I found that quite useful. That is wonderful. That could be very, very surprising. And also I think that would be great I'm one of those writers that um, writes a first draft, and there, there's, there's basically no nothing around them. They're just standing in air, talking to each other. And if you look at the feet, and then look at what's around them, and what they want to see and touch, I think that's, uh, that's lovely. I think it is really helpful. I teach creative writing, and sometimes the biggest thing my students suffer, um, struggle with is, is point of view. You know, it's seeing. Mm -hmm just seeing through that character's eyes and I find that quite useful and also it's a bit like the actors who start from the feet isn't it what shoes are they wearing where are they going what are they so I, I do find that quite useful to, to, to think that look what are they what are they wearing on their feet and where are they going thank you I also teach creative writing and I'm absolutely stealing that with attribution I will always give you attribution for that. well okay. I, I stole it from someone else I'm not oh, quite that's sure right. It's all in the ether, I think. It, it is. It is. So speaking of the ether, what in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Such a good question. Um, funnily enough, I sort of think hot and cold affect it um, in, oh. in a weird way. In that when I'm writing, when it's hot, um, I mean, I'm, I'm living in England, it's never that hot. But, you know, when it is hot, I tend to want to write about cold places. Um, and when it's 
cold. I tend to want to write about hot places. And I have noticed actually on my creative writing course, because uh, with COVID restrictions, we have been able to do some face-to-face -face teaching, but I've had the doors open all the time mm. in the winter. Mm -hmm. And my students just write about colder and colder stories. You know, everything is like encased in ice. Um, but actually, I quite like writing about sort of hot things when it's cold. Um, yeah. But I suppose lockdown generally um, has kind of surprised me. I think it has affected my writing. So Postscript Murders was written just at the beginning of lockdown, but mostly mm -hmm. written pre this terrible COVID mm -hmm. time. And I think it's quite light-hearted in places and it's a road trip they go off down they on a journey and they travel and they're quite free and the next book that I wrote which was entirely written in lockdown was uh the Nighthawks which is the next group book and that feels quite claustrophobic and quite sort of hemmed in a lot of the action takes place in a sort of spooky farmhouse so I think that I, I think we'll all find that lockdown has probably affected us in, a, in kind of surprising ways you have the same thing that I do where I, I won't really notice any of these things when I'm writing them, but then later I will look back and say, oh, that's the book I wrote when I was going through this mental landscape, or that's what I was doing when this person was ill or whatever. And it and it's in the book, but I didn't know it at the time. That's absolutely true, isn't yeah. it? And sometimes it surprises you, doesn't it? Because in fact, you can be going through um, the, the book that I wrote, you know, when my mom was ill and, and then dying, you know. It's not actually a depressing book, you know, sometimes it doesn't work like that, does it? But it is interesting to, to look back and think, oh, I wrote that then. And there is always a, sh a shadow of it on the book, isn't it? Even if you don't know at the time. Yeah, I like that word shadow. The shadow of it is that we're casting as perhaps the writer with the light behind us casting onto the page. Oh, I think that's beautiful. Ooh, ooh, ooh. OK, so what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? <gasps> Well, I've just recently read a book called We Keep the Dead Close by Becky mm -hmm. Cooper. Haven't heard of it. It's really fascinating um, because it's not exactly fiction. Um, it's about a real life murder at Harvard that happened in, in 1969. And it's, uh, and it's about a, a modern day Harvard student trying to work out what happened to, the, to this, this woman. And it's fascinating story and um, she was an archaeology student which obviously really interested me as well yeah. so there's archaeology in there but there's also a lot about women's roles what it was like to be a female student um at harvard in, in 1969 i think they'd only just become co-ed because she was at radcliffe first yeah. so there was that and that's way she was treated by various men in our life including her her lecturer um so there's all that and there are layers of it and it's almost like it's, I was trying to think what it's like. It's almost like a, a real life secret history. Ooh, I, and, you know what? That's so interesting. I, my brain went immediately to the secret history. Yes. And that's and what I it love, sounds like. That's, I love the secret history. And too. I have to say, I kind of love books set at un, in universities, but particularly American universities. I don't know why. I'm really um, resonating so with you. I have this, I, I love an academic setting, but I, I have awesome. to say that yeah. I love the ones in, in England. Yes. I have to swap. You can have Cambridge, I'll have Harvard. Thanks. Thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is, and it's something like, you know, I, I feel like I, I kind of know some of the settings and the quads and the autumnal light. I can, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of delusional because I've never been to Harvard, but you know, I love it. So I would really recommend it. We keep the dead close. I haven't quite finished it. It's very long and it's been perfect for this, this period. Really, That is flying to the top of my TBR pile. And that is why I asked this question. Thank you very much. Speaking of marvelous books that everyone will want to get, will you please tell us about the postscript murders? Maybe, maybe your elevator pitch for that. Okay. 
postscript murder. So uh, when an elderly lady uh, called Peggy Smith dies in assisted uh, living apartment um, on the south coast of, of England, nobody thinks it's strange. She's 90. She wasn't in very good health. But then when her carer uh, starts uh, collecting, putting away her books, she notices that Peggy owned a lot of crime books, which is suspicious in itself, of course. <laughs> but a lot of them were dedicated to her. And they say things like, thank you for the murders. And then it, tra then it transpires that Peggy, far, far from being a harmless elderly lady, was actually a murder consultant. And, Sultan, uh, and she has a card that says it and she everything. She has a card that says it. And, and there's a sort of diverse group of people who solved the crime. There's the detective, Harbin Decor, who we talked about earlier. But there's also Natalka, the carer. There's Benedict, who owns a local cafe. And there's sort of Peggy's redoubtable friend, Edwin, who's an 80-year-old ex-BBC music producer. And they together, they have to solve this crime. And I hope it's a lot of fun. It was it, It's a book... Some people have said it's a book about writing, but actually I think it's a book about reading. So it's a book about the joys and the, the excitements and the dangers of reading. I think it's I think it's both because as a writer reading it, I'm enjoying it so deeply for the writing surrounding it. Um, so everybody listening to the show are writers, so they will want it for that. But of, of course, everyone listening to the show are also avid, keen readers. I do so. think it's the perfect book for writers because I think yeah. we we will, you know, your readers and you will get loads of, of inferences about the sort of publishing world that maybe not everyone will get. But yes, it's a book for writers and readers, definitely. Thank you so much for writing it. Where can we find you online? So you can find me online. I, I'm I'm quite active on Twitter. Twitter is Ellie Griffiths. I've got Instagram as Ellie Griffiths 17. I've got a Facebook page, um, Ellie Griffiths author, where I quite often do readings and things like that. And I have a website that I'm always vowing to update. Oh, me too. And you're never more than a few weeks away from the, the next Ellie Griffiths. <laughs> exactly. I'm afraid that people sometimes say that about rats in London. You're never more than a few a few meters away from a rat. But I hope it's not the same with my book. I would prefer the book to the rat, but yes. Thank you. It has been so lovely talking to you. Thank you so much. I can't wait for people to get their, their grubby little mitts on your book. And I wish you happy writing in the garden shed. Well, thank you, Rachel. Same to you. And thank you so thank much you. for featuring me on your podcast. Of course. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>